and welcome to the Happy Project Podcast. Uh, my name is Becky, and it has been a while since you've heard my voice here. And sitting across this uh, kitchen island table is Cedric Skysteady. What's up, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little, little rusty there, huh? I'm really rusty. It's been a little while. Yeah, I feel weird because I haven't podcasted in ages. Um, okay, well, we were going to pretend like this was nothing and we're back <laughs> like it's nothing, but here I am harping on it. Anyway. The people demand an explanation. Hello. Hey. I guess there isn't too much else to say. Uh, we could give like a quick rundown like what we've been doing. Sure, right? yeah. For those who have been keeping track of how long we've been gone. Yeah, I guess super brief. Um, yeah, we've uh, we've made some big changes in our lives. And uh, the last couple of months, we've been, uh, I want to use the word transitioning. And I'll also add on to that, expanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have been, as most of you are aware, we've been based in Seoul, South Korea uh, for the last number of years. And uh, we decided to move our home base, I guess you could say, to the States. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, the last couple of months, been transitioning, getting settled in, and getting just everything in order. And it's been quite hectic, like mm-hmm. super crazy. It always takes more than what you think, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we're still honestly um, getting things in order because of the nature of what we do and the nature of what we want to do. So we've just been really busy uh, just getting the foundation set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so that's why we've been a little MIA, but… Uh, we've been thinking about all <laughs> the listeners MIA. the whole time. We're, you know, we're always like, oh, we yeah. need the podcast. We want a podcast. Yeah, yeah. So we're finally back in a, uh, in somewhat of a groove to be able we're to We're in a podcast. semi-groove. We're not, semi-groove, we're yeah. not in a rhythm yet. Yeah. But it's like we were three, four, then suddenly turned six, eight, and then it went back to halftime. That's right. Yeah, so that's what it feels like. This is this is what our group has been like. Yeah. I guess, so we've been thinking like, okay, what's our first episode that we're going to do? What do we want to talk about? And I mean, pretty much we're going to just jump right back in to how things have been. And that means a little bit of listener mail. So we got an email um, some time ago and I meant to respond to this sooner, but uh, this is, I guess, our proper response, right? But um, let me just read it out loud so that people have the context. Okay. And we'll talk about what we're going to talk about. Okay. Hi, my name is… I am a senior in high school and I am a Korean adoptee. I love listening to your podcasts as I can relate to them, even though I am fully Korean. I just had a question on living in Korea. I recently found my father and have been talking to him a lot lately. Is it a good idea to go to college here and get a job by using my U.S. bachelor's degree? Can I find a stable job in my potential field, which is civil engineering? I just feel like I have missed many years from Korea and my biological parents, and I want to reunite with them and even live in Korea since I have this feeling of wanting to regain time and experiences there. I'm just scared of the future and if my desires will be worth it. I'd love to have some advice. It would help me immensely. Uh, First off, thank you for writing in. Um, We love getting listener mail and, you know, it is interesting too because I feel like… we, we will get these kind of responses, especially from Korean adoptees. Mm-hmm. We'll say like, I'm not fully Korean. I mean, I'm fully Korean ethnically, but I relate to what you guys are saying. And I think in some ways, there are some parallels in how we feel, right? Indeed, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, this is, uh, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. 
And I think uh, we just want to offer our thoughts, not from the perspective of someone who is like a full Korean adoptee, of course, mm-hmm. but um, from from half Koreans who do sh- have a lot of similarities to the feelings of uh, maybe some Korean adoptees who were, say, born in the States and grew up uh, apart from the motherland, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Maybe if you guys have been following us on our personal Instagrams, you'll see that we have worked also with an organization called A Korean American Story. And through them, we've had the opportunity to meet a lot of people who are willing to talk about their own Korean adoptee stories. So through those contexts, we have come to realize some things and learn some things. And then uh, the other way we are going to come at this I guess, listener mail. It's just from our own personal experience of having lived in Korea, moved Mm, to Korea, spend time there. And just what was that daily like? And what were the things probably it's good to be aware of before you consider making such a move as going to Korea and getting a proper job and maybe being there for some time? Yeah. Yeah. So disclaimer, we're coming from our perspective as half Koreans. Right, right, right. And not speaking on behalf of adoptee Koreans. Exactly. So, um… Wow, where do you think we should start? First off, senior in high school. Awesome. I know. Wow. Man, that's like <laughs> No, I feel, I feel like I have joined old. the new organization of people who are always like, oh, high school. That was I such know. a long time ago. Like I am literally actually, I think I'm one year away from uh, I don't even know if we're gonna do it, but my a 20-year high school reunion. Really? Can, yeah. That would Whoa. be next year for me. Ooh. So anyways, that old, that's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just always like really would shocking to be reminded. I would I go? You're 25 years. You wouldn't go, would you? Uh, it depends on how successful I am <laughs> at that point. Because <laughs> uh, I would want to flex in front of, uh, you know, people I Everybody always wants to. That's like the thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't even heard anything about a 20 year. And I think usually it's a 25 year. Yeah, 25. I… I'm going to do the 25-year anniversary. Anniversary. <laughs> anniversary of my high school reunion. Yeah. I'm going to throw it. That's yeah. what I mean by I'm going to do it. Yeah, you are the party thrower. I will. I'm going to invite everybody. So if anyone from my high school is listening to this, you're all invited. Wait for the invitation to come out <laughs> in many years. Anyway, senior in high school. I remember that being a weird time, right? Yeah. It was kind of like… You want to go out and do everything in the whole world. And in some ways, you feel like you're unstoppable. And then in some ways, you feel like you can't. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I look back to my mind state when I was a senior in high school and just what I thought I wanted to do and mm-hmm. just how my life has just turned out so differently. I mean, you know, and, and it's a good thing. Yeah. And I think that ha- that's just a natural part of just life, right. you know. But um, it's always good to obviously have goals and aspirations and to, to pursue them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some people that uh, make a decision to do something uh, when they're by the time they're senior in high school and they just commit to it. Yeah, you know, my sister's one of them. Yeah, like she had a goal and she's now doing what she's always set out to do. Yeah, but me, I just <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> yeah, but anyways, yeah, I think it's an exciting time. Um, and so yeah, you you definitely have a lot of options ahead of you. Yeah, that's for sure. It is true. And high school also not high school post high school immediately post high school let's say is also an interesting time because you are still figuring out who you are and kind of now where you're going to be in the whole wide world. So you've kind of got that on top of you. And additionally, looking at this email is now you've also recently found your father, your birth father. Um, And so your world has suddenly expanded even more than I think 
let's say, a typical high schooler might be experiencing at this time. So no wonder it's probably pretty exciting and also maybe can be overwhelming at times. Yeah, I can imagine. But um, maybe we should talk about your idea of getting um, your degree, U.S. bachelor's degree, um, to go to college in the U.S. and then get a job in Korea. Yeah. Right? So that's one option. Your other option, of course, is going to college in Korea and graduating from a Korean university and then Mm -hmm. getting a job. Those are what I look at as the two options. Right. You have experience of at least going to college in Korea, not graduating from the college, but spending time in undergrad. You could do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, or you you could actually graduate from the Korean university. Right. With a Korean degree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I could speak to that, but I could definitely speak to coming to Korea um, and working. Mm-hmm. And I've uh, done several things in my four years in Korea. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's I would say um, from what I know, like it, it's definitely possible, obviously, to get your education in the States, mm-hmm. um, in whatever field. Um, I think the challenge might lie in uh, certain, like getting educated in a certain field and expecting or trying to uh, to get a job in that right. field in Korea. Yeah, I know yeah. it's it's very competitive. Now, there are certain things, there are a couple of jobs that are very normal for, say, like foreigners to come over to Korea uh, to do and to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, it usually does require a college degree, uh, but it could be in anything. Right. Really. It doesn't have to be related. Right. And you may even already be aware of it, but that is to teach English mm-hmm. in the public school system or in the private school systems or the private schools, I should say. It's not necessarily a system. Um, and so that is the most common uh, track that foreigners who, and even Korean adoptees, a lot of them do this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to Korea to teach English, to just get their foot in the door, exactly. get in the country, experience the culture, and uh, to live and work and mm-hmm. make a living. Now, that being said, from my, uh, just from what I know, uh, just the job market in Korea in and of itself amongst native Koreans is very competitive, very competitive. extremely competitive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, education is a big thing and where you graduate from and how you graduate school yeah. also is a very big determining factor in which company you can get hired at and what position you'll hold. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with certain fields, it is a little bit more difficult because you have to compete with just exactly. the native Koreans, which yeah. they would, most of the time prefer unless they specifically want Mm -hmm. someone from the outside, which is possible. There are many people who, I mean, I wouldn't say many, but there are people that work uh, within like those big companies Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're foreigners Mm -hmm. and they're wanted for either their specific skills or just the fact that they are quote unquote globally minded. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally true. Um, I was just thinking when you were saying that, like the competition aspect, because Going through a Korean university on one hand will give you an edge because you will be required to learn the Korean language. And mm-hmm. honestly, depending on what program that you're going to study at the Korean university will determine what level of Korean language you might need to have. There are some universities that do classes in English, all in English, and you could graduate with that kind of degree. But I see you have civil engineering and I'm not sure if that would be in that category, right? Yeah, English yeah. speaking civil engineering classes. Um, so that is something, you know, you'd have to take into consideration. So on one hand, yeah, if you studied at a Korean university, you'd kind of have an edge. Let's say you went through to a really good university, which might be a little bit easier to go to if um, you, let's say, are, are I, I guess you would be, what is that word? Kyuan Haksang? Uh, exchange student. Right, an exchange mm-hmm. student. So in that regard, you might have an easier chance to enter the school, right? Right. Um, so let's say you get into a really good 
university, you graduate with that, you've got that nice degree, which will be instantly recognizable by a Korean company. But realize it will be you now against everybody else who mm-hmm. has graduated at the top of their class from that same university. So um, competition would be high and it wouldn't necessarily set you apart, right? If you had uh, a Korean university degree. But then kind of what Cedric alluded to earlier, if you go to a U.S. university and then graduate here, and then say you go to Korea and you're looking for a job, it might not be such an easy path to get into the area that you studied or you want to make a career of. You could, of course, come to teach English. That's an easier way in and spend some time doing that, which actually isn't such a bad idea. You have some freedom. You would still make a decent salary. Um, give you a chance to meet friends, give you a chance to get accustomed to the country and the culture, especially if you plan on staying here for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my opinion is um, it it is a tough road if you uh, wanted to just go down uh, the path of trying to get a job in that field. Because, you know, I can't speak to uh, the availability of those jobs mm-hmm. or what they look like in Korea, but I can, I can say that most jobs will have a competitive edge. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I, I don't want you to necessarily get your hopes up, but I don't want to say it's impossible either. Mm-hmm. I will never say that. Uh, so that is something that maybe you can look into a little bit more, but I will say that um, maybe another option to consider is, uh, you know, get your degree in the, the area that you want, of mm-hmm. course, and then you could spend a little time after you graduate. Uh, I don't know if you plan on going to grad school, but maybe in between that time or you just want to graduate with your four-year degree, come over to Korea um, and uh, maybe teach English for a year or two, experience the culture, see how you like it. um, And maybe you can use that time to perhaps get to know uh, your father a little bit more, Mm -hmm. you know, if he's open to that. Um, So, I mean, I I, I think at the end of the day, you still have options, Yeah. right? So, um, but I would... I would say definitely experience what Korea is like, you know, before… This is a good caveat. Yeah, before necessarily making a, a decision that I'm going to be there yeah. forever. Exactly. Yeah. And also, you might change your mind halfway down the road. Again, it's a little different circumstance when you actually have family in Korea. It's mm-hmm. definitely a different feeling going to Korea knowing you have family there. Because you can feel a certain sense of obligation or a certain sense of, I got to make this work, this relationship work, right? And so, and that can be something that might be a huge factor in making a decision now. I'm going to live in Korea forever. I'm going to live in there for 10 years or I'm going to get my job there, you know? And uh, the truth is that can change over time. Mm -hmm. It really, really can. And speaking from personal experience, initially when you go to Korea, at least when I went to Korea, I was, when I was old enough to remember, it was around 16, right? Mm -hmm. High school. And at that time I was so certain. (sighs) yeah, Korea, this is the place. I'm going to be here forever. Um, Who knows? Maybe I will also be in Korea again for a long period of time. But the truth remains is that the country and actually living there is very, very different than how it could feel visiting or how you might imagine it. So as long as you hold that expectation on you, I think you can uh, relieve yourself of some burden of being like, I got to make it work, right? Right. Um, Now, some benefits that you have being Korean adoptee and um, uh, and and just some options, right? And how long you can stay there. You have the ability to get the F4 visa. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you have the ability to get dual citizenship. That's right. 
Yeah. Especially as an adoptee. Yes. And I, I don't know, you probably know a little bit more than me in terms of the requirements, but I know we know a couple of friends that have um, gotten their citizenship. Exactly. And they're Korean adoptees. And uh, I think they're all from America. So I don't know if there's like country requirements or, or whatnot, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that definitely is possible, which would give you all the benefits as a native citizen yeah. of Korea. And that includes working. Anywhere, which also the F4 visa, which I would say is about a step or two below Mm -hmm. the citizenship status. Mm -hmm. um, That also allows you to to work any job. So you could get a job, uh, presumably in civil engineering with an F4 visa if you qualify. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we cannot express how valuable Mm -hmm. this visa is. Having the F4 visa and dual citizenship, it is so incredibly flexible and freeing. So you may come to Korea to teach English for six months, not for a year contract as obligated by someone who needs to have their visa sponsored by their academy. Right. You could come and taste it out for a little bit. Then you can move on. Right. So having that visa will give you a lot of freedom. We're not going to go into the visa steps here in this Mm -hmm. episode, but we are going to strongly drop that hint. Look into it now. Right. And just just because I don't think we actually mentioned what it is, it's the visa that is for overseas Koreans mm-hmm. and that can include Korean adoptees and even have Koreans like yeah. um, Becky and, and myself. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to stay in Korea uh, for a period of two to three years, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. depending on when you need to renew mm-hmm. and, and, and things like that. But you like can that. endlessly renew it. Yes. Yes. Uh, as of right now. As of now. That's right. The <laughs> yeah, rules do change right frequently. Yeah, so uh, that's what it is. And it allows you to just stay there. You don't have to be tied to a job. Mm-hmm. Though, um, I do think the requirements are moving towards like, you have to be some sort of productive mm-hmm. member of society. But again, uh, that's something that you can look into. And, you know, we'll probably do future yeah, episodes. Yeah, I think we're going to do an episode on F4 visa. That's that's really important. Uh, the thing for you as well, I'm thinking about… No, I guess US, I guess military wouldn't apply here. Military? Like yeah. going into the military? Right, right. Going into no, the military. No. Well, his age though. Because if he's still um, under a certain age mm-hmm. or a certain year, either it's, I can't remember if it's before or after a certain year. Um, if you choose to have Korean citizenship, you sure. may need to consider military. Yes. Yes. That is, uh, again, not not the visa, F4 visa right. from my understanding. For citizenship. Yeah. If you are, for example, a U.S. citizen mm-hmm. and you know, are fully adopted, legally adopted with all the paperwork, you know, because we've heard mm-hmm. or, like horror stories of adoptees whose like parents didn't do the proper paperwork, but uh, you, you should be okay and free and clear of the military uh, requirement. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once you're a citizen, that is the, that is the duty of every uh, foreign or not foreign national, every uh, Korean national yes. man yes. to serve in the military. Yeah. And I think right now the time is 18 months. I think it's been lessened. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, we we'll have, have to look to more years. into that as well. Cause that mm-hmm. wasn't something that affected me. And that wasn't something that affected you. Right. Because by the time your mom had registered your birth, she had already, um, Pogi has her, Citizenship. Given well, up she the didn't citizenship. register my birth here. I mean, in Korea. So. Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah. Even in the oh, U.S. Okay, yeah, is what yeah. I'm saying. Your mom had given up her Korean citizenship yeah. prior to that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you might look into that if citizenship is something that you're considering. Um, okay, so we have talked briefly about learning Korean, right? But this is this is paramount mm-hmm. to making it in Korean society. Not only making it in Korean society, 
um, but also feeling accepted by Korean society, also understanding cultural nuances. And that can play a huge role in um, having connections with your birth family and also how you might feel in relation to your family and this culture and society that I might believe you feel a certain desperate hope to be a part of. Yeah. So language is, is significant. And helping right. cross these 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 bridges, I guess. Right. And I would say that Korean, the Korean language as it relates to the Korean culture um, is one of the highest uh, levels of importance in terms of really understanding not only the culture, but having a little bit more acceptance mm-hmm. from the people mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. maybe other countries where the language, the primary language isn't English. Mm-hmm. It might be a little bit easier to adapt into those societies and kind of feel normal Mm-mm. versus in Korea. Like it, the language, there's something powerful about Koreans and the language and how how it relates to the the, the nation, the national. <laughs> what, what's the word? Like nationality <laughs> aspect the pride of it. Yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. Yeah. So I think Korea and Korean as, as well as a couple of other Asian countries from from what I know is very important with language. It's because it's like high context. It's high context unspoken um, rules, mm-hmm. right? There are a lot, it's a very implicit society. And, uh, and so the culture is, right? So there are a lot of things that it's just expected you should know. And you pick up those cues through language and the yeah. way people talk to each other um, and the certain words that are being used, the certain formalities that are used. And those are the cues of how you are supposed to behave in a certain setting with certain people. Um, and so missing out on the language gives, makes other people see, ah, he didn't pick this up. Oh, that means he's not one of us. Right. Whether they're, you know, actively thinking that or not. But regardless, language is such a strong marker of understanding and fitting into this flow of Korean culture and society. So we cannot stress enough uh, how important learning Korean is. And um, you have an added benefit as well over us, let's say, of your face Mm -hmm. looking Korean. So that is one hurdle you will not have to overcome. So say you learn the Korean language and you learn it really well, you have a greater chance of being more widely embraced by the Korean society. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good thing. That's a good thing for you, Mm -hmm. uh, for sure. Yeah. So we would definitely say start learning Korean if you haven't already. Um, Something else that I, I guess now we're waiting more, less out of the logistics of living in Korea and more of the emotional or psychological aspects, right? Yeah. Um, So you mentioned here, I just feel like I have missed many years from Korea and my biological parents. Um, And living in Korea, right? You want to get that time back. You want to get those experiences that you missed. I don't even know like where you begin to feel like you've caught up. I wonder, like, I don't think you can ever catch up to experiences that you've missed or in a way feel like have been taken from you. Right. Right. Because I mean, we have talked about this too, envisioning what if, what if we had grown up in Korea? What would that have been like? And we can imagine as much as we want. And in a way you feel a sort of nostalgia for something that you never had. Right. Yeah, totally. Because I've always like I, you know, I've said this many times here on the Happy Project on the Sky Seti channel, and you know, I've said many times that I've always 
wanted to to come to Korea. Even when I was a kid, I wanted to know what it felt like to live here because I would watch my mom who mm-hmm. would watch like, you know, different Korean dramas and, and news shows. And I was just like, I knew that that was where she grew up. And I was just like, what if I grew up there, mm-hmm. right? So I too have been motivated uh, to to come to Korea or to go to Korea because of that sense of, man, I missed out on a lot of experiences. Mm-hmm. like, And I want to kind of catch up on that. Mm-hmm. And I personally just wanted to get so like acclimated and um, I guess ingrained into the society or assimilate, that's the word, assimilate into mm. the society um, so that I could kind of catch up. But the thing is for me, it's, it's impossible because I missed pretty much the first 30 some years of my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. Uh, of, of being able to live in Korea. I wouldn't know what it is to go to school there, to get bullied for how I look. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't know uh-huh. like what it is to serve in the military, yeah, yeah. things like that. So, yeah. so I would just never know. And right. so, you know, I feel like I've missed those experiences. Um, but also, you know, I get to come in with a different perspective. So it's kind of like true. in many ways, it's a cheat code. Cause like, I'm sure that there are a lot of aspects of the things that I missed that I probably wouldn't have liked, you of know, course. growing up. So I feel like I was able to come in my adult years and yeah. kind of bypass that. So it is a give and take. Right. Yeah. I think the most important thing when it comes to thinking about like missed experiences or feeling like I missed out on this, which might make you feel resentful towards somebody, might make you feel resentful towards yourself. Mm -hmm. And you might also hold that against yourself, whether knowingly or not, when you're not able to keep up with society's demands or cultural expectations. And you can sometimes literally hold that against yourself or maybe your parents or maybe your family and be like, how come because of such and such reason, now I am the one who is not able to make it. I am the one who's always standing out and not fully accepted. And I think the truth is we can't get that time back. We can't. We can't live that experience. Just like Cedric said, he doesn't know what it feels like to go to Korean military. Does that make him any less? No. However, it does mean there is a certain unspokenness experience, shared experience that he doesn't have. Right. So the important thing is just don't hold that against yourself. So when I hear like missed experiences, it's so regrettable, isn't it? Like you feel so like, oh, I wish I could have had this. But I think it's important that we don't hold it against ourselves when we feel when we feel those missed experiences in our everyday life. And I don't know about you, when you go to Korea and try to catch up, I guess, to what your life might have been, I just hope that you don't feel that that burden, right? To, to catch up and, and make sure you belong. Because the reality is it wasn't in your hands anyway. You missed experiences due to things that happened prior to even your existence. Right. How could we have any control over that? So. Just coming in with a clear eye is what I mean. Absolutely. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? Oh, no. I thought you were going to move on. Oh, okay. Well, no, that was that. <laughs> uh, I coldly accept what you said. Absolutely. Period. <laughs> the end. Um, okay. Why don't we talk about then um, the feeling of being an alien? Ooh. Right? Man. Yeah. So, of course, we'll come from our perspective as half Koreans, which… Uh, in some ways, there are similarities to what a lot of Korean adoptees experience too. But uh, I know for me, um, 
uh, just me looking different is, is something that uh, on the surface is, is I, I have an awareness of that. And I, I say this all the time, at least to, mm-hmm. to you, mm-hmm. like um, every day when I was living in Korea, like I always knew that I stood out. I always knew that I looked different. Mm-hmm. And so that just got ingrained in my subconscious. And there were times where, you know, it kind of bothered me because mm-hmm. it's like, but no, I, I, I am one of you. Kind of mm. halfway, mm. no, like you know, it's like kind of confusing, uh, but um, but that was more of an internal thing that I had to deal with, and I know um, some adoptee friends uh, and even Korean American friends, they they can also kind of feel that way, even on a physical level, because they sure. they look different, right, right. They have different haircuts, different styles, different even different ways of walking, yeah, yeah. you know, and mannerisms, <laughs> like it's just different, yeah. So. Um, like I've experienced a, a lot of that feeling of being alien and then also the external of always being pointed out, oh, mm-hmm. you're not from here. Where are you from? And people most of the time are very well-meaning, but mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. get that, you know, once, twice, three times a day and it starts to like, it just reminds you that, oh, people look at you like you're different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not in a bad way. It's just, oh, he's not from here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And I know that um, some people who have a very Korean face but they can't really speak Korean that well. As soon as they open their mouth, mm-hmm. people are like, ah, you're not from here. Right, right, you know? right. So that can create a sense of alienness. Yes, it totally can. Um, again, like all that we can say is that go in with just a clear understanding and also proper expectations on yourself. Because <laughs> I think if we hold it, it, this happens a lot. Like you can hold it against yourself or hold it against somebody. Why didn't you allow this? Why am I mixed? How come I don't look more like this? How come I couldn't speak Korean? Whatever. And um, those are all things that we just can't control in mm-hmm. our life. That's true. So hopefully you'll be able to bypass all that angst that we went through <laughs> now that somebody is telling you first before you go to Korea, right? Because it will definitely save you a lot of um, struggle and even, you know, resentment against yourself. Yeah. And uh, being an alien… I know it sounds silly, right? Alien, Weibukin, but it's not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing being who you are. It's not a bad thing growing up in the US, let's say. It's not a bad thing having a Korean face, even if you don't speak a Korean language. That's not a bad thing in itself. It's just the feelings that you get from not being part of the whole. So as long as you fully understand or try to understand, or at least begin to understand your place and all of that, I think it will help to remove some again, sense of burden to fit in. Yeah. And keyword is some. It may not remove all of mm-hmm. that burden, but at least it would be, you know, it'll it'll help you stay a little bit more sane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and I know it kind of sounds like we're maybe pointing out a lot of I was just thinking negative that. aspects. <laughs> like, um, there are good things. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So just to highlight some of them, like you're going to be in a fresh new place, but deep down inside, whether people allow you to to claim it or not, you can claim this as the place of my birth. Yeah. This is like where my lineage, yes, yes. you know, came from. That's very powerful. And so whether people, you know, allow you to claim that or not, you just know within your heart, wow, this is, this is you know, my land essentially. It is, you yeah. know, And from that, allow your explorations of the culture, you know, be be fresh and exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's negative to every culture. But if you approach it from like, wow, this is like, uh, this is kind of like uh, 
sort of that feeling you get when you go to an amusement park for the first time. You're a kid and you're like, oh my gosh, this new land. And like, if you approach it from that, I think it'll it'll be more enjoyable mm-hmm. and, and just take it one day at a time. Learn mm-hmm. and experience new things, try new foods, you know, and see what you like, what you don't like, connect with people. Uh, so there's a lot of fun and not just fun, but just good experiences to be had. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And we're just saying all of these things because… We want to make sure or hopefully help you to to balance your own expectations so that the negative feelings do not outweigh the positive and amazing things that are to come. You are embarking on a huge journey. Whether you decide to go to Korea right away after college or not, or if you decide to wait years down the line, or you're going to go straight after graduation and change out of your cap and gown on the plane, that's up to you. We just want to make sure and hope that you're going fully recognizing like, whoa, what this could actually mean and how good this can be. Because it's going to be good. Regardless, however mm-hmm. difficult yeah. things, whatever happens, in the end, this is going to be so good for you. Um, now, something I was just thinking when you were talking about this, because you were saying like, come in, you know, claiming, right? Mm-hmm. Claiming this is my lineage. This is my land, my heritage. Um, so we talk, or I guess when we think about Korea or Korean history or Korean films or dramas or even people and just the mainstream speak about Korea, there is a, the, the let's say the, the popular or most common line of thinking is that Korean history looks like this. That this is what Korean people are and Korea has been this kind of country and this is what they are today. And there's a certain line, a certain box where in which all of things Korea and history and Korean people and society and the manner of which the country has developed, it all fits inside that box. Now, the offshoots from that are the mixed Koreans, the GI babies, the Korean adoptees, the people who were raised by single moms who couldn't keep them anymore, whatever. Those are all part of the same root in Korean history and lineage. So I think if you understand that well, Regardless of what people say, oh, you weren't born in Korea. Oh, you didn't grow up in Korea. Oh, you don't speak Korean language. Therefore, you're not in the Korean box. You got to disregard that and remember where your root of history begins. Mm -hmm. Just because they don't talk about your history openly doesn't mean it's not existing. You have every right to say you are Korean as well. Just wanted to point that out. I like that. And that's one of the reasons why the Happy Project is here. Yay! To bring recognition to that offshoot that we are the offshoots, but <laughs> we're still part of the vine. Yeah, we're just a little little offshoot over here. <laughs> okay. Um, why don't we talk about, just briefly here then, reconnecting with your biological family. So this is something we cannot speak out of our own personal experience. And I know that you're not asking us to tell you that either. Because everyone's journey is going to be different. So the best that we can do is just direct you Um, to some stories that we have heard and some of our friends who have shared their own stories and experiences um, publicly. So you could hop over to the Sky City YouTube channel. You probably know Cedric Sky City has his own YouTube channel, SK, SK, right? SK. (laughs) (laughs) S-K-Y-C-E-D-I. And uh, if you look for Kate and Mark, there's two separate videos and interviews that Cedric did some time ago with friends of ours. And... They live in Korea. Yeah. And you could just see kind of what, how it's been for them. Yeah. And uh, so we, uh, we actually, well, I interviewed them at the time. Mm-hmm. You were actually there. I was there. <laughs> you I was were there. just creeping around. Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, I think, about three years ago or so. But uh, they both, even still to this day, they still live there. And they've, mm-hmm. I think they're planting their roots there. So I think they are doing 
uh, essentially essentially what you are considering mm-hmm. um, in their own ways. And so maybe it would be insightful uh, to just hear their stories and uh, to see how you know they got there and how they're coping with it now. And again, it's a couple years old, but um, mm-hmm. I think it's still overall pretty relevant. Yeah. 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 And I, I think you already know this, but just family, no matter who they are, <laughs> it's always complicated. Family comes with their own lives. So maybe you are popping into somebody's life and um, it's going to look different for you. But I guess it's good to remember that their life has also changed now because of you. And that's a good thing too. But it can also be a complicated or difficult thing. Um, for if you're reuniting, let's say with friend, family that you haven't seen for a long time. So yeah, I mean, I'm just saying this because I think if I, as a high schooler, you know, was maybe in a situation like this, I don't think, I think I would be hurt very easily, right? If something didn't go my way yeah. or I would be hurt very easily. Like, I, I, I imagine that myself, just because I had a lot of problems, you know, I probably would have been feeling those things. Um, so as long as you come in, you know, with a mature measured eye, and just a really open mind and open heart to the things that are to come. I really believe in the end, it's just going to be a good thing. Very well said. Yeah, for sure. So it's going to be a positive thing overall. In yeah. The end. Yeah. So I'm really happy that you wrote in to us. And uh, if anyone else out there who's listening to this also wants to write in, you've got your own questions. You've got your own topic that you're hoping we will dive into, you can write in at thehappyproject at gmail.com. Make sure you guys are following us on Instagram because that's where a lot of the more regular updates are happening. And you can see like when the videos are coming out and new interviews, and that's a great way to get in touch as well. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to add? No, I think uh, we covered pretty much everything. We could. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just, uh, again, we appreciate you writing in, uh, our fellow listener, and uh, we wish you the best in whatever you decide to do. Yeah. And that being said, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks for listening. We are The Happy Project.